0: I am not preaching this Sunday. We have the privilege of Paul Smith joining us and opening god 's word and I just want to introduce him to you. Some of you may know him well, some of you might not, but paul is uh, he 's not from here he 's from the motherland he 's from uh, born in England spent ten years in Scotland before moving to uh, the u s in two thousand and three uh, and He is the executive director at Tree of Life. Many of you guys may know that. Uh, He's got his hands stirring many pots. I think he's got more than two hands. He is also uh, with his wife running Serene Manor, which is a bed and breakfast in in Roundhill, as well as he runs a uh, property management company as well. So he does a lot, but he is going to be opening God's word for us today from Mark and so I would love for you guys to welcome uh, Paul today. Thank you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for Mark, or for Paul, your opening Mark, for Paul uh, as he comes. Lord, we thank you uh, that we've got Paul here today to open your word for us, that we might learn from you. And we ask that you uh, would, would speak through Paul, that he would make much of you Uh, today, that we would hear from you, that we would be changed by you in your word, and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen.
1: Amen, thank you. Well, I almost feel I should begin with an apology, because you have your pastoral staff before you each week with their oh-so-masculine beards. (laughs) And I must have misunderstood the memo, but I was told I had to grow a beard as well, so this is the sum total of my effort, which is pretty pathetic, is it not? But we'll move on quickly. Um, I appreciate sincerely and graciously the opportunity to share from God's Word with you as Executive Director of Tree of Life, quite a fancy title. I'm not really into titles, if truth be known. But as Executive Director, I do relish, literally relish, the prospect of engaging and imploring the wider body of Christ to follow after His heart. And I would suggest to relentlessly Pursue the needs of the poor. Hamilton Baptist Church, I'm thrilled and delighted to say, is a wonderful, wonderful friend and neighbor to Tree of Life Ministries. Sixteen Western Loudoun churches now embrace Tree of Life. And particularly this morning to you, to Hamilton, I want to say thank you. Thank you for volunteering your time, for donating of your funds, and for just supporting the effort that is Tree of Life across Western Loudoun. We are a 501c3, an official nonprofit registered with the IRS in all of its glory. And we have five established branches encompassing 14 different ministries within those branches. We have, since 501c3 was established back in 2012, concentrated all of our energy into Western Loudoun. But we are more than excited to suggest that there is the the possibility that this year we may see our vision realized of planting the Tree of Life model in new communities to the glory of God, and we're in discussions right now both with Leesburg and with Winchester, potentially to see a tree of life region planted there. Last year in Western Loudoun, we impacted the lives of 5,000 people. And it's with that theme in mind that I wanted to share with you from perhaps one of the best known passages of scripture that we have in the Holy Word. And that is the story that Jesus told of the feeding of the 5,000. There are passages that I often share when alluding to the story of Tree of Life, but there are few which hit the mark as well as this particular passage does. And as Joss has made mention, we're going to read, albeit the feeding of the 5,000 is referenced in all four Gospels. We're going to read from the Gospel of Mark, if you have your Bible, beginning at verse 31. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. "'Taking the five loaves and the two fish "'and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks "'and broke the loaves. "'Then he gave them to his disciples "'to set before the people. "'He also divided the two fish among them all. "'They all ate and were satisfied. "'And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls "'of broken pieces of bread and fish. "'The number of the men who had eaten Was 5,000. Shall we pray? Dear God, the Creator and the Maker of heaven and earth, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation collectively of each of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight this morning. It's because of your Son, Jesus. And in his holy and precious name do we pray. Amen. As we take just a few moments, and I promise I will just take a few moments. I won't be here for three hours. Although Josh did say you could speak as long as you like. I will just take a few moments. It's my prayer that each one of us will reflect this morning on a question. A question asked by Jesus at the very center of this gospel of Mark that is before us. It's interesting that the passage we read as we read from Psalms, we were invited to reflect upon Psalm 23 in a very personable way. And I want to do that this morning with the question that I have before you that Jesus asked. And is this, who do you say that I am? There are people to the front of you, perhaps sat behind you, to the left and to the right. Ignore everybody around you this morning. Allow the God of heaven to speak purely and simply to you as you reflect on the question that he asked. Who do you say that I am? I believe without any doubt that it's a question that Mark had pondered before ever he scribed the first of the four Gospels that we now have. It was Mark's Gospel, which was the very first Gospel that was written. And he begins his Gospel with these words. Take note of these words. If ever there are words that are profound and life-changing, it is the introductory line that Mark uses as he shares the gospel. The beginning of the gospel account about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning of the gospel account about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Were it not for that phrase that is at the end of that sentence, this might just be some storybook that we have before us. But it's no storybook. Because of the profound nature of those words that Mark uses, this is none other than the gospel account of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who do you say that I am? The crowd of 5,000, just like you and I, were confronted with that same question on that day. The crowd, as I read it, fall into four categories. The first we read in verse 31 were merely spectators. Then we read because so many were coming and going. Arguably, the most privileged place in history, in the physical company of Jesus Christ, and yet... These spectators were merely coming and going. Yet we kid our not. We kid ourselves, do we not, if we believe that spectators are relegated to some Judean hillside two thousand years ago? In two thousand and sixteen, with the gospel literally at our fingertips on our iPhones and whatever else we have that begins with an I we still have spectators. We have overt spectators. I read with some aghast a website. The website is known as celebatheists.com. There are 600 pages to the website championing the cause of any atheist and agnostic out there who wishes the world to know that they are such. The site itself is perhaps championed by perhaps the most brilliant mind, and yet I would venture to suggest the most misguided of minds in the shape of Stephen Hawking, a fellow Brit who celebrated his 74th birthday last month. And his quote I read is as follows. Because there is a law such as gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. Spontaneous creation is the reason there is something rather than nothing. Why the universe exists, why we exist. It is not necessary to invoke God to light the blue touch paper and set the universe alight. Stephen, you may have a mind which excels my human understanding. But I would suggest you are far, far, far from the truth that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God. But if we begin as church people, as sometimes, may I suggest, we do to sit on our high horses... And think, well, that is Stephen and his crowd of agnostics and atheists. Let me remind you that perhaps covertly, not overtly, perhaps covertly we sit as spectators denying that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we do that? Well, we fill our lives with every conceivable ambition, aspiration, or asset apart from Jesus Christ. Perhaps we come and we gather in places of worship such as this every Sunday, and we soak in the message of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then we leave this place, and nobody has the first clue that were any different to a professing atheist who may sign up to a miserable website such as celebatheist.com? Who do you say that I am? The second group that I see in this passage I would label as seekers. From the crowd of 5,000 in verse 33 we read When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd He had compassion on them Because they were like sheep without a shepherd This group were very clearly seeking after Jesus Jesus himself describes them as a sheep without a shepherd If you're here today Seeking after something, if there's a gap in your life, if there's an unexplainable hole, Jesus, the Son of God, is the answer. He stands at the door and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. If you are seeking the answer to life, Jesus, Son of God, said, I have come that you might have life. And have it to the full. If you're seeking today, I would implore you, I would plead with you to take the next step. Not unlike the third group in the crowd of five thousand that I would describe as satisfied. We read in verse forty two that they all ate. And were satisfied they all ate and were satisfied they had sought Jesus they had found Jesus and they had been fed by Jesus having a personal life changing relationship with Jesus Christ the son of God is without any shadow of any doubt the most satisfying place that you and I can be Eternity with Him is secure. A heavenly home awaits. Life to the full begins. Can you claim without reservation that you are satisfied? That you have reached a place in your life where you've claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior? My love affair with the United States of America began when I was just a wee lad. That's the uh, phrase I borrowed from my ten years in Scotland, by the way. I'm sure the Scots will allow me to use that periodically. I was eight years old. I shared with some my story last night and this evening. I'm not going to share my story in full. But my father had a serious accident at work when I was just very young. We lived in a very impoverished area of Manchester, better known for its football team. But I was living in amongst an area which later became the drug capital of the city of Manchester. God saw fit to work through the life of my parents circumstantially. My father fell had a serious accident at work, fell into concrete, and fractured his skull severely. But he survived. He recuperated. And at the end of that time of recuperation, his employer offered him just a little amount of compensation, which was sufficient to allow he and my mother and myself to move from the inner city of Manchester with all of its challenges to a suburb of Manchester known as Radcliffe. Having moved into 14 Carsley Close, not too long after we had moved there, in the house opposite, literally, moves a strange American couple who described themselves as missionaries. Didn't know what a missionary was. Didn't really know what an American was. But this couple opened their home to children, to anybody who would want to come and listen the gospel account of Jesus Christ and I went, partly because they gave free food away, but partly because I was intrigued to learn more about what they were saying. And on the 14th of October 1973, at the age of eight—I know you think I only look thirty, but I'm much (laughs) older—I gave my life to Jesus Christ thanks to the fact Frank and Elaine from Cincinnati, Ohio left the comfort of their home and moved, of all places, to Radcliffe and Manchester and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. And I know without doubt that God has a sense of humor because I always said as I grew that never would I do two things. Never would I move to Scotland because I'm English. And there's a little bit of rivalry between the Scots and the English. And never would I move to the U.S. But circumstantially, God worked through my life. As he did with the the man known as Saul on that road to Damascus. If you're seeking direction of God, typically God will work in three ways. He will speak to you directly. He may do that in any way he chooses. It's for him to decide how he speaks to you. More often than not, it will be through his word. He will speak to you perhaps through the wisdom of a Christian person that might be in your life. He will sometimes speak to you circumstantially as he did with Saul when he struck him blind on that road to Damascus. It's for God to choose how he speaks to you. But when he does, I would ask that you listen. Today is the day of salvation if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today is the day to confess with your mouth that he is Lord and to believe in your heart that he and he alone is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Who do you say that I am? But thankfully the story it doesn't end there. Verse 43. We read the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. How would describe this group of disciples as servants. From the crowd of 5000 we read of a small group of individuals that were servants. They picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. Keep in mind it was this same group that suggested to Jesus he send the crowd home. And yet before their very eyes, this group of men witnessed one of the most prolific miracles Ever scribed such that every gospel account makes reference to the feeding of 5,000. To me, the symbolic component of 12 basketfuls of broken pieces is such that perhaps we can look at these broken pieces as broken lives. If we're beyond spectating, if we're beyond seeking, if we are beyond being satisfied in the comfort of our places of worship, it's time to serve. And believe me, there are countless baskets of broken lives right on our doorstep if we will truly serve Jesus Christ the Son of God. Tree of Life Ministries has a very simple and succinct purpose that allows you and I to serve. To reach out to the poor and needy in our community with the love of Jesus Christ is in essence the purpose statement of Tree of Life. We reach out because filled with compassion. In the first chapter of Mark, he describes Jesus as reaching out. Jesus had no expectation that people might necessarily come to him. He made certain that he reached out to them. The poor and the needy, because he who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. If you take nothing else away from this morning, I want you to reflect on that passage from the book of Proverbs. He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker. But whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Do you want to honor God this morning? Community. Because if you open the Gospel of Mark, and if you go home this afternoon and begin to pour through each of these chapters, you'll find that there are none less than 18 miracles that Jesus performs. If you pour away those miracles, you'll find that only two of those miracles were within the synagogue, within the place of worship. Sixteen of those 18 miracles were in, right in, the community. Reaching out to the poor and the needy in our community. We have a leaflet which we distribute, which invites you to come and learn about Tree of Life on March the 12th. At that same meeting, we'll be sharing with people how we are planning a community serve day so that anybody who follows after this Jesus, Son of God, Can go into this community that we call home and proclaim his name in word and in deed. And why do we reference Jesus Christ? Because the beginning of the gospel is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If anybody asks you, what's that tree of life thing all about? Please do not tell them it's about food. Do not tell them it's about providing homes for people that need homes. Do not tell them it's about crafting a resume so you might find work. Tell them it's about sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And if they don't want to hear you, tell them again. Because that's the purpose of Tree of Life Ministries. Why do we do what we do? Because Jesus Christ left this earth sharing with his disciples the fact that he was hungry and he was thirsty and he was in need of clothing and he was sick and he was imprisoned, and his disciples looked at him somewhat bemused and said, tell us more about this. And prophetically, Jesus Christ was speaking of a day when his throne of grace and mercy will transition to a throne of judgment. And he will look at every last person in this room, including me. And I paraphrase, but the question he will ask of you and ask of me is, what did you do for the least of these? What did you do for the least of these? And he'll When he says that, we'll perhaps respond and say, well, where were the least of these? And he'll say, whenever you helped those that were hungry and thirsty and in need of clothing, those that were sick and imprisoned, you did so for me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. How we unfold our purpose is through five branches. Food, life skills, shelter, health care, and relief. Embraced within those five branches are 14 ministries designed purposefully with you in mind. Because there's not one of those ministries, I guarantee, from which you will not feel called to serve. There's a place for everybody that follows after Jesus Christ to come and serve within Tree of Life Ministries. Each and every week I have the privilege and the pleasure of learning about people's lives that have been changed. I have the privilege of working and serving alongside volunteers within Tree of Life which just melt my heart. From within Hamilton, I know this will embarrass people but I'm going to do it anyway, Connie sat at the left, at the back, is an individual that labors in our food pantry day in and day out simply because she loves Jesus Christ. And because people like Connie labor daily, I receive when people come back and deliver that food, we don't ask people to come. We don't belittle them by saying, come and hold your hand out. We go and we deliver food where they are. And when we do, we ask them, is there need of prayer? And the response I got this week, can you believe this? From a little third or fourth grader who was with her mom, who was a single mother with three children, was, what's prayer? That's the generation in which we live. Kid yourselves not if you think this is the generation that follows after Jesus Christ Son of God think again we also have another lady she might not be very tall but she's actually very powerful Barbara Chauncey if ever you meet Barbara you'll know what I mean we have these volunteer meetings and there was one of these meetings we held not terribly long ago and I finished doing my thing and she said well That was really good, Paul, but where is the ministry for senior citizens? And I gave her some glib answer saying, Well, we we have a ministry, every ministry we have is for seniors. She said, That's not good enough. She was very humble and gracious about it, but she said, "I, I believe we need to focus on our senior citizens. Seniors that may be homebound and in need of a friend, just somebody to come alongside them. And through her and one other lady's intervention, we prayed and we discerned that it was right to introduce a new ministry, our 14th ministry. And we now have a ministry which we label Crowns of Glory. And it specifically is intended to reach out to seniors. And if you're in any doubt that senior citizens in the United States of America in Loudoun County need help today, let me tell you a story. I was invited to attend the Winchester Salvation Army homeless shelter at Christmas time. For a number of years, we've prepared a meal every month because if somebody is homeless in and around Western Loudon, which is where we focus Tree of Life today, then there's only one of two places they can be accommodated. It's a homeless shelter in Leesburg or a homeless shelter in Winchester. We chose to adopt Winchester for a number of reasons a few years ago. And I was invited this Christmas, past Christmas, to go and share a message from Scripture. I did so. I shared a message of hope. And partway through this message, an elderly couple came in. I noticed them in the the corner of my eye, and they sat down, and they listened graciously. And as the, the time of sharing had finished, and I'd shared my message of hope, and we'd sung of our good, good Father... I looked around for a place to sit and a place to share a meal, and there was only one seat left, and it was with this elderly couple. And I sat with this couple, and then I asked them to share their story with me, and the lady spoke, and she began to tell me how she was 80 years old, and her husband was 82. Five years ago, he'd contracted cancer, and they'd sold everything and lost everything in order to try and sustain the costs of keeping him alive. And I said to this lady, well, where are you living right now? She said, well, I'm living in a motel, it's about half a mile down the road, this is two weeks before Christmas. And I said, well, how long can you stay there? She said, till Thursday. That's as much money as I've got. And I tell you, it may be Churchillian, Brits, they, they don't cry. We certainly don't cry in public. I sat there in my seat, put my knife and fork down, and I just wanted to weep, because I was listening to the story of one of the least of these. And she went on to tell me, not with any kind of agenda, how her wedding band of 62 years had been pawned that week, so she could sustain accommodation for her husband for another week. And at that point I said to myself, wow, Tree of Life Ministries, that's what it's all about. And I said, well, what's going to get you through Christmas? She said, well, you just stood up there and you talked about hope. That's what will get me through Christmas. (laughs) And I said, wow, I was speechless. And I came away and I began to, to ponder about what I'd experienced. And it just so happened, remember the circumstances I spoke of? It just so happened that a prominent businessman in town here, not far from where we're sat, that month had offered a home in Percival to Tree of Life if we would just pay for the utilities and for the taxes each year. And I had in my mind that I would be searching for a family of a a man and a woman and two or three kids to accommodate in this home. And suddenly, like a train, it hit me. No, that's not the definition I have for you. The definition of family today, Paul, is this couple that you've met. And through the grace of God, we were able to do two things. I shared the story at a men's Bible study group I attend, and one of the individuals was so impacted he went home to his wife, and they agreed rather than buy each other Christmas gifts to go to the pawn shop in Winchester with me. And I was able to take my credit card and say, How much do we need to pay to get this lady's ring then? And the guy fumbled around with his machine and added his 106% interest to it, and we came up with a number. And I said, well, what's the number? He said, I can't get this to work. And the guy from the back came around and said, you pressed the redeemed button, stupid. And I said, that's what it's all about, my friend. We're here with the love of Jesus Christ to show redemption. And I was able to swipe clear this lady's debt. She came in the following day. I wish I could have been there. She would pay $25 a month to avoid the, the gentleman selling the ring. And she was able to get her rings back. And then, just a few weeks later after Christmas, we have the joy of moving this couple into a house here in Percival so that they can spend the next 12 months in a place of safety and in a place of shelter. Is it easy to serve those that are in need? It isn't. Typically, just like you and I, people come with issues. They come with needs. They come with concerns. But praise God they come. The disciples paint that picture for us quite repeatedly, don't they? This is the same crowd that served at the beginning. They wanted to send the crowd home. They wanted to give up. Say the problem's too big. It's too great. We can't deal with this. Thankfully they didn't. Otherwise... We would not be the beneficiaries of one of the most prolific passages of scripture ever written. Mark, the author of this gospel himself, otherwise known as John Mark, was a laborer, a servant with Paul and Barnabas. And guess what he did? Partway through the journey, he gave up. Got too difficult. Got too tough. We've all been there. But thankfully, through the grace of God and through the encouragement of others... He came back to the fold. And his legacy is what we read today. These people, they didn't give up. I want to encourage you as I close to go beyond spectating. To go beyond seeking. Even to going beyond being satisfied. And to serve. I want to warn you that we have no need to serve in our own strength. As I promise you, we will fail. But although it may get tough, these are the words from an age-old prophet from the Old Testament. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry... And satisfy the needs of the oppressed. Then your light. Will rise in the darkness. Your night will become. Like the noon day. And why? Because the Lord. Will guide you. Always. If you choose to join. This journey. Of tree of life then I leave you with the words from the very scripture we've just read this morning from this account of the miracle of feeding 5,000 the words of Jesus Christ himself he said this come with me by yourself to a quiet place and then he said go Come to me and then go. Shall we pray? Lord God, as we marvel at the truth of your word, I pray that every last person in this room has reflected upon the question that you asked of Peter all those years ago. Who do you say that I am? There will come a day when we will fall before your throne and we will be asked to give an account to that question. At that point in time, it won't do any of us any good to say that we were spectators. It won't do any of us any good to say that, well, I thought about seeking you. We will merely need to fall before your throne Please plead for your mercy because of the grace and because of the love of God, the good, good Father. It's because you gave your life for each one of us, Jesus Christ, that we have an eternal life with you. It's not because of anything that we can do. The gospel message of Jesus Christ is all about Jesus Christ. But having found that relationship with you, which is beyond compare, nothing else can describe that relationship with you. Having found you, I pray that every last person that is gathered in this place will literally yearn to serve you this morning. The door of Tree of Life Ministries is daily opened to reach out to those that are in need But I pray you'll touch the hearts of every person here today so that they will serve the one true almighty God in whatever way you direct them to serve you. It's because of Jesus and in the name of Jesus, the one who asked, who do you say that I am? We pray, amen.